Malakanaji, my name is Standing Holy. This name was given to me when I was young by Frank White Buffalo Man, a Sioux elder and grandson of Sitting Bull. This name was Sitting Bull's daughter's name and was gifted to me to use in this life for the benefit of the people. So here I am. Standing holy is the wisdom, strength, and guidance I have drawn upon to live well. It's preceded every ceremony I've ever done and has seen me through the hardest of life's experiences. Leaning into who I am on a soul level has carried me through the unimaginable. And it can for you too. This podcast is geared to summon your light, your heart song, your gift and contribution to humanity. As we embody and live by our true authentic self, we raise the frequency of the earth and all her inhabitants, something that is needed now more than ever. My greatest teacher, Floyd Hand, told me before he passed, my girl, when you begin sharing your stories, you will help a lot of people. This was his vision that I am carrying out. This is my heart song, as Wakanaji. Hey, this is Brandy, and on this episode of Standing Holy with Brandy Tuttle, I was contemplating a few different ideas that I had to record and bring to light. And as many of you know, I work with spirit on the regular. Anybody that's got my book, Grateful, Powerful, Strong, Next Level Navigation for the Spiritual Warrior understands some of the ways that I've worked with spirit, some of the clearings that I've done and places I've gone and worked with the land for the benefit of the greater good of all. And as I was leaning in to spirit and asking what needed to transpire in this episode, It came in so clearly to fortify the understanding that you have with spirit, that you have with that source of all. You can say creator, spirit, tunkashla, God, universe. It really doesn't matter. It's that ever-present source that we are all from. And as I was leaning in, and that is what came, I wanted to give some experiences from my life that helped me to understand this, that helped me to get through some of the things that I have gone through and ailments that I needed to lean into something more to get through, that ever-present source that is the backbone in my life, the strength in my life, the wisdom, the guidance to get through the hard things. My earliest memory in this life, I remember probably being about nine or ten months old. And my mom used to always 
remark on how early of a walker I was. I was pulling myself up and walking around the couch and different things at about seven months old, and I was walking completely by myself at nine. And so the age that I was in this particular memory, I was very little, and I had those red fuzzy jammies with the feet. And I remember there were these white bands with a couple of stripes around my wrists and the little white feet in my footy jammies with the little grips. And as I was standing at this cabinet between where our dining table was in our living room, we had a very small house where I was born and raised. I didn't know it was small, but now when I look back, it was. And this cabinet was sort of this, I guess you'd call it like a china hutch type cabinet. And it had these two big doors at the bottom that had the kind of closure that you would push on it and it would open and then you'd push again and it would shut. And you'd push again and it'd open and you'd push again and it'd shut. So there I am, about nine or ten months old, and I'm leaning up against this cabinet standing. I've got one hand bracing me and the other hand is on this door. And I'm pushing it and it would open. And I'd push it again and it would shut. (laughs) And I remember this incredible joy that I got from this, this unbelievable accomplishment. Like this was like a little mini miracle in my mind. And I'm just enamored with the function of this door. You know, there I am, push it open, push it shut, push it open, push it shut. And while I'm so engrossed in what little me is doing, I could sense something like a static, like a odd energy to my left. And I remember looking that direction, and that was the direction of our dining table. And our dining table was very humble. You know, I was raised in a very humble family, humble way. We had all of our needs met because we had a garden and we lived um, at a house that was right on a lake. So we did a lot of fishing and we were in Washington state. So there was a lot of harvesting of fruit and a lot of berry picking and hunting. So all of our needs were met that way. But the dining room table that was sitting there was actually a picnic table with benches on two sides that my dad had made those benches. And my dad was sitting on one of those benches at the table, and he was really irritated, kind of grumbling under his voice. And I didn't understand the grumbling, and I didn't understand the words that he was saying, but boy, I could understand the vibe. And the vibe that he had was really irritated, really irritable. He had a lot of papers in front of him, and I really didn't know what was going on, but the energy was just so down and aggravated. And yet there I was standing at this cabinet, push the door to open, push the door to shut. 
And I remember looking at him, thinking, what could possibly be that bad? Does he not see how amazing this is? And there I am, still going about my business, little me. And I just had this higher, broad perspective in that little me body. And now that I am at the age that I'm at and on this side of my life, I look back and I know now dad was paying bills. (laughs) And he was grumbling around about it. But at nine or ten months old, I didn't know that, but I understood energy. I could feel the vibe. And yet, my natural predisposition was to wonder and to the joy of being in that childlike mindset. Every single first was amazing. And to see how I could affect change was amazing. And that philosophical perspective is the same perspective that I get when I lean into spirit now. That when I lean in and need to find out something or have the answer to something or clarity, if you will, on whatever is going on, that ever-present source is always, always, always right there. And it's that higher philosophical, doesn't get lathered up about anything, doesn't have that reactivity that our humanness would, that our humanness does. And that is that sacred space that I like to get into and do my best to create as a default in my life so that I can navigate my life from the perspective of spirit. So in my younger years, oftentimes, I could get swept away by an experience or something that was going on, and it would really rattle me. And it was easier to be reactive. Not when I was very little, of course, because I was still in spirit. But as a child ages, my dad would say when we go from being a four-legged to a two-legged, so a baby that can crawl starts to come up on two legs and starts to perceive the things that mom and dad and the world bestows upon that child. And next thing you know, the child is thinking in terms of tomorrow or yesterday. That's when we start to become more linear. We don't have fear when we are in the moment. We don't have depression when we are in the moment. When a baby is little, when a child is little, when I was in that little nine or ten month old body, 
All that I knew was right there, right in front of me. And it was joyous. When we start to become linear and we can think about tomorrow, that's when we worry. That's when we can fear the what if. And it's when we perceive yesterday is when we can mourn the idea of coulda, shoulda, woulda, if only, those kinds of things. But right now, right here, there is none of that. There's only this moment and your capacity to stay in that moment is where the power is. That is where these spiritual practices come in pivotal for our life. You know, the meditations, the ceremonies that help us get out of our physical mindset and into something more help to strengthen that capacity to stay in the moment. Now in my book, I talk about rising out of the isness. And to me, and how I perceive it, rising out of the isness is a matter of rising out of reactivity. That our, oftentimes, our knee-jerk reaction is to be reactive. Something happens, we fear, or something happens, we worry. Whereas when we have the capacity to train our mind, our emotions, to rise out of the isness, it doesn't so much matter what has gone on or what is going on around us, we have the capacity to be an observer of that moment. And again, that is where the power is. That is that space that allows you to be in control of your life and not get swept away by it. Because again, as I mentioned in the book, as I mentioned in the previous podcast, the broad strokes of our life are predetermined by us before we came into this life. That your soul is here for so much more. And with you, you have the power to call in if you will, whatever it is that you really look to desire and want to experience. We have the broad strokes that were decided by us before we were born that are oftentimes based on what we might have been doing in previous lives, past lives. And when we're here, we have the capacity of free will. And that free will means when it hits the fan, 
or you're in this relationship that maybe is not going how you would prefer it to go, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle what is happening? Are you going to choose to fear and make decisions based on what if? Or are you going to come into your center, rise out of the isness, not see things from that fear spectrum, rather see things from a higher perspective. Because when you're really in that moment, you're in all of who you are. Just as me, as a little one, all of us as a little one, all of you parents out there can attest to this, that when your children were little, boy, some of the things that came out of those babies' mouths were incredibly wise. And that is that space that is so sacred and in the moment. And if we can harness that and make that our default, all of a sudden we become powerful in the moment. We're able to see people's actions for what they are rather than let those actions trigger us. Because as we live through life, as we know, we go through things. That is what this human experience is about. We are all somewhere between the greatest good and the deepest despair at all times. But we have the capacity to navigate wherever we are and shift it to a higher space. I've been through a number of very difficult experiences, much of which were health-related, and many of those doctors didn't have the answers to. The only thing that I had was to lean into spirit. I wasn't raised in a family that had a lot of money or a lot of physical world monetary anything. It was incredibly humble. And wow, do I lean into that as an asset? Do I ever see that as a benefit? Because that gave me the opportunity to lean into who I really am and where I'm really from and understand that spiritual realm above and beyond anything else. And I've used it time and again to get through the hard things and to learn to transcend this physical world. So with that perspective of rising out of the isness, I will expand just a little bit more into something that Spirit used to refer to as arcing. And I say used to because now it's just, I, don't, I just do this technique. And, um, but when it was first brought to me, Spirit referred to it as, as arcing. In my earlier years of learning to do energy work and working with people, places, things to, whether it be clear energy or 
help someone through a scenario that is really bombarding them. I found that that direct pressure, if you will, of trying to affect change one-on-one wouldn't work. And I didn't understand exactly why. In fact, a friend of mine made a post a little while ago and spoke about prayer. And he mentioned feeling like he was guilty of praying for things with a very specific outcome that he had wanted in his life. And I suppose it meant that those things didn't come to fruition. And who's to say why? But when I started experiencing some of the same things, that was when Spirit brought me this technique. Now, when I would work with someone directly, it almost felt like their energy field was so strong. And we're all connected. How many times have you thought of somebody and then all of a sudden the phone rings? Or you have thought about somebody and all of a sudden the algorithm on your, your phone or your device all of a sudden brings up their post. Well, that is a very intuitive, energetic thing. Every single thought that we have carries a frequency and a vibration to it. And when we come in strong with our needs and wants and desires, and they are fueled by the kind of passion that life can bring forth within us, boy, we can pray with all the passion in the world that this person change their heart about us, or that this experience go away. But understand that, again, the broad strokes of our life are predetermined by us, so we have to bring grace to the moment. And then understand that if there is a free will involved, wouldn't it make sense that whomever we are praying for would have that free will as well. Of course. So I found... (laughs) I found this out, actually, when I was pregnant with Malia, because her dad is very contrary. (laughs) He was not an easy man to work with very set in his ways, had his very strong ideas of how things should go, black or white. There was no in-between. And I remember when I was about three months pregnant or so, maybe even two months pregnant, I had her name all of a sudden pop up like words in my mind's eye. I was at work, and I was just quietly doing my job, and all of a sudden I see the name Malia written in my mind. And I had been struggling for a while to come up with the name. And all of a sudden, Malia, wow, that was beautiful. It was a unique name, 
yet I felt like it, it wasn't, you know, so out there that it would still track with everything. And there was just this resonant quality about it, a beauty about it that I loved. And so I brought that idea to her dad and he knocked it out down right away. He wasn't interested in the name Malia. He had his own ideas of what that sounded like to him. But I knew on a soul level that that name was given to me. I mean, there it was written in my mind's eye and every fiber of my soul leaned in with this resounding, resounding yes. And so I just let it go. You know, I knew better than to argue with this man because he's like a brick wall. And it wasn't until later I was by myself and I've always had this practice of working with spirit. And so when I was pregnant, of course I would talk to her and imagine speaking to this baby. And although I was only two or three months pregnant, I had had dreams that Malia was going to be a girl. So I knew with irrevocable clarity that that was so. So when I was in prayer, I said, okay, baby girl, this is up to you. You go to him. If this is going to be your name, you go to him. And I just left it at that. And I think it was about three days later, all of a sudden her dad gets in touch with me and says, You know, I've been thinking about that name, Malia. I actually really like it. (laughs) And I just smiled. And I knew that baby girl from the other side had gone through him from that spiritual perspective. And so that concept of arcing, if you will, me going up to spirit, up to her, She went over to him in spirit and then dropped down into his mind from that direction. Me going straight to him, brick wall. Up and over, perfect. Fed in exactly how it needed to for the greatest good of all concerned. Now, that's really the key with energy work. That's really the basis of manifesting, if you will, or being that gravitational pull that brings the experience to you. I couldn't come from a place of fear with him or come from a place of push because that would be riddled with resistance, and that would be coming from the wrong direction, energetically. Yet I knew that that was going to be her name, and that she would take care of all the details, and she did. And so that was exactly how that came to be. Our capacity to lean into spirit is so vast because that is where we are from. And we can draw that energy into our daily lives with ease when we so choose. And our level of heart space, our level of faith, if you will, just in something more. You know, I, I know there's a lot of people that have such strong faith out there. 
You know that they belong to certain establishments and religions and cultures. And my word, so long as your heart is in the right spot, so long as your prayer comes from a place of love, your intention comes from a place of love, that is all that matters. That is when you tap in, tune in, lean into something more. That is the more that you are from. And that is why when you make decisions based on that space, all of a sudden, magic happens. It doesn't matter if you're trying to heal something in yourself, in your relationship, in your home, in your job. It doesn't matter what it is. It will be there when you come from that place of neutrality. And I say neutrality because sometimes we are trying for something that is not in the broad strokes of what we've already chosen for our life. That when I think back and tune in and lean into Malia's dad and I, it is so clear now that he and I were not meant to be together. He went on to have two more beautiful children with this woman that I absolutely adore. His presence in my life had a karmic tie to it, had a past life tie to it, that our connection was to be played out in this life, in this way. And we all, all pieces of this uh, karmic story, if you will, had the opportunity to rise, to grow. And I can't control anybody else. You can't control anybody else. We are all on this journey individually. The only thing that we can do is enter into these experiences with all the strength of spirit, all the strength of this divine space, and know that things are going to play out to the greatest good for all concerned. Things might not make sense. Oh. And when I say that, I say that with so much love and compassion because I can feel your pain. I can feel my own pain from how I felt in times past. When you love something so much and you want something so much, And you try so hard to pull. And you try so hard sometimes to push. You're just trying so hard. When really, where the power is, is to release, to let go. That term, let go and let God? Yes. That is how I see this. My own holding on at that time, and to the degree that I held on 
to a particular outcome was in direct relation with how much pain I felt when it just wasn't meant to be. And consequently, the emotional pain that I went through started to eventually wear on my body, as it does, that our bodies are a barometer, if you will, of the energetic things that we are feeling, our emotions, our mindset. What is your knee-jerk? What is your default setting to your mind? Are you basically a pretty positive person? Or do you beat the drum of yesterday? Do you beat the drum of a year ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago? I know pain hurts. My word, I know pain hurts. But if you really embraced the notion and the understanding of how incredibly vast and powerful your soul is, you would have the capacity to rise out of any given circumstances and sort of release the brakes, if you will. Release the tension of you holding on to something that may not be in your greatest good. That if this person or scenario is not in alignment with what your soul came here to do, or if you're not in alignment with what their soul came to do, there is no playing field. You will be operating from different frequencies. When I was that little bitty, nine, ten months old, My frequency was so high and joyous, living in the wonder of the moment. And then my dad's frequency sitting at the table was completely different. And I could not understand what could possibly be that bad. And when I think back to my younger years being a young mom, I remember being in those scenarios. We all can understand being in those scenarios when we are swept away by life. And as I looked at my child in their innocence, I could feel the disparity between their frequency and mine. That childlike innocence that couldn't understand mom Why are you so sad? Why are you so upset? What could possibly be that bad? Because they were living in the moment. And if I had had the wherewithal then that I do now, and if I could go back, boy, would I release the brakes. Boy, would I live in the moment. Because oftentimes we are so caught up in the future and the past that the now slips away. When really all that we have, our life is literally 
a chain link of moment to moment to moment to moment. We are literally just piecing together now. And right now as I am here with you, my heart is so full. It doesn't matter what happened earlier in the day. It doesn't matter anything but right now, here with you in this space. The breath that we are breathing. The sacredness of this moment. The isness of this moment. And all of a sudden, everything else is allowed to fall away. And in this beautiful space is where we can get to through these practices, whether it be meditative, whether it be fasting, whatever it is in your culture, perhaps. You create and navigate toward things that feel right to you. In my world, there is no one right way. There may be aspects of your life that, you know, are very eclectic, actually. You know, perhaps, you know, the yoga practices resonate with you. Good. Washte. Do that. Maybe if you're, you know, a part of this culture, the native practices, maybe that sweat lodge is what calls to you. Maybe fasting and clearing your body of the debris so that you can rise out of the physical world a bit allows you to become more clear in that space with spirit. Many of the ceremonies that my people do and that I am familiar with of cultures from around the world, much of the practices have to do with the body being able to get out of the way, so to speak, so that the spirit can take precedence. When we have our sweat lodges, you know, the way that I was raised to understand these, it's like going back into Mahaina, Mother Earth, into that womb of Mother Earth, so that you can renew yourself, that cleansing. And the way that we connect with the Wichakpi Oyate, the star people in that sweat lodge, those that are the healers, those that have the capacity to come into us and help to shift what is going on of this physical world. But as we are in that ceremony, I've been in sweat lodges where every single person that was in that lodge had a vastly different experience. One person might be so hot from the steam, from the rocks, that they are taxed to a place where they don't know if they can even get through that round. 
and the person right next to them would be sitting tall with ease. And the only difference between them potentially is where their mindset is. There was a sweat lodge that I ran probably about 12, 13 years ago, maybe. And a friend of mine's husband came. Now, she, did, she wasn't able to attend, but he was. And it was his first sweat lodge ever. You know, he was raised in, you know, a culture that that's, that's not what they do. But when I invited them and said, if you'd like to come, he took me up on that offer. So he was with us. And as I was running this lodge, working with spirit as I do, I'm allowed to feel where everybody is at in their heart and in their mind. I can feel where their soul is and, you know, what, they're sh- what they may be struggling with. And I could feel him struggling. Oh, boy, could I feel him struggling. And he was very physical-minded. He was thinking in terms of how hot it was, and he was very analytical, if you will. He was thinking about how dark it is and thinking about the steam and the heat, and his mind was on the physical stuff, and so, yeah, his body was reflecting that. And he almost interrupted that round. I could feel it. But then, you know, we opened the door, and in between rounds, you know, you have a a moment to cool off and a break, and that's when I told a story. And I explained the power of prayer. And I actually gave a story about my own experience that when we have the capacity to lean into spirit, and we all do at any time, And it doesn't matter if you're leaning in with prayer, with intention, with thought, with song, with pules, with chants like in Hawaii. It doesn't matter how you connect with spirit. The only thing that is important is that you do. And I explained to him that when you are uncomfortable, you're of that physical mind. And it is important to be able to pray. And pray for those that are around you. Pray outside of yourself for your own well-being. All of a sudden, it will rise up and you will be stronger for your prayers going outward. And the story that I brought to his mind was the same one that I chronicle in my book when I was at another ceremony that we do called Sundance. And I remember dancing, and it was very cold, that particular Sundance. And as I'm dancing, this, this particular uh, ceremony of Sundance is a four-day event, and it was cold and rainy entirely through. So we were all dancing just to stay warm. And dancing that hard, continually so, was taxing my knees. And I remember being out there during this particular round and not sure if I could even finish and praying to be able to get through, praying again for myself to be able to get through. And then I heard spirit chime in and they brought my attention to the people that I was standing next to. 
and all the other dancers. Some of them were dealing with hard illnesses. Maybe some of them were older. You know, there were different things that we all were out there enduring with our bodies, with our hearts, with our minds. And here I was praying for myself. And I was humiliated. I was embarrassed that there I was. Felt very selfish. And as I started to pray for the people that were next to me, the women on each side of me and extending it out further into the men and leaning into Machaina, this Mother Earth, beneath our feet. And I started to draw in her energy from this earth with every step that I took out there. I imagined that we all had roots that were going into the ground, each and every one of us, in which with every step that we took, I imagined that these etherical cords, these roots would go deep, deep, deep. And those roots, what are roots built to do? They are built to bring nourishment. They are built to bring strength. They are built to fortify whatever is growing. So I imagine that that was what was coming up into all of us, all the dancers. And all of a sudden, my body wasn't cold anymore. My knees didn't hurt anymore. All of a sudden, all the discomfort was gone. And when that dance song ended, and I looked around, I felt a hundred percent. And when I conveyed that story to my friend in that sweat lodge, I could feel that re-anchor him into, okay, why are you here? Why did you say yes to coming to this ceremony? And now when I look back, I know that that was Tunkashala spirit, creator, testing him, teaching him what to do, what not to do, what to do, what not to do. And we're continuously given opportunities in our life, are we not? To be able to look at what to do and what not to do. Our greatest asset is when we can learn from others, because we are all here for a purpose. We are all teachers and we are all students simultaneously. No one above another. Because this life is a playground of sorts that when you came in and you had painted the broad strokes of your life and knew that you came in with all the power of everything that you are from, you knew that you had free will to navigate this life. And with that free will from the other side, everything looks easy. (laughs) And it's not until we get here and that amnesia sort of sets in that then we are called. That's when we have that soul calling pulling us back to center, giving us all the opportunities in the world to lean in, to tune in, to rise above the isness, to get into that space, that now moment, that childlike wonder, that place where we can let go of the resistance of perhaps what is not in alignment with what is your greatest good and what is of the greatest good of all concerned. 
You have so much power, my friend. And I'm sorry that those memories can follow as we, as we know they do. But understand that you're built for more. Your soul is here for more. And by coming into this place of gratitude, gratefulness of this moment, all of a sudden you become powerful, you become strong. You become all of what you are in spirit and you bring it here. I suppose on earth as it is in heaven, perhaps that is what is actually meant, that we get to bring all of who we are from spirit to our body here. And that is my wish for you, my prayer for you, my friend, that you can lean in, tune in, tap in to your greatness, because who you are, I promise you are, and to Aishta, let it go. Dokashni, it doesn't matter. Wipe your hands. Let the elements help to cleanse you. You know, the energy work that I like to do and the energy work that I've been guided to do, Spirit always utilizes the earth, the air, the fire, and the water, and they say, because that is who you are. Take the deep breath, invite in spirit. That's our connection. Pray with the water. Hold it in your hands and intend it for that healing before you drink it, and you'll feel a difference. Feel your feet on the earth, Machaina, get grounded. Feel that connection. Become one with her because we are. And finally, look into that sun. Lean into that sun. Light that candle and look at that fire burn. Connect because that is your hochoka, that center, that spark of life that is within you, my friend. That is powerful. And that is how you will clean and clear your body, your mind, your spirit. And the more in alignment you will be in those energetic forms, the more your body will follow suit. That when I was younger and first traveling on the, this path, this spiritual path of understanding and learning. Single mom, living in the most expensive town that I know of in the United States, trying to make it work, trying to build a life without any physical world support. I had an accident on a snowmobile and hurt my shoulder, my right shoulder. Our right side is the physical world side of us. It's the masculine side of us. 
The left side is our spiritual side, our internal side, our feminine side. So that right shoulder of mine was damaged. And all that I could think of was carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders, of this physical world, hence the physical world side of my body. Signs are all around us. If only we listen. If only we see. And the way that we do so is to get into our center. Be that calm in the eye of the storm. Find your practice. Find the way that you lean in. What does your soul ask you to do? What are your angels and guides who are walking with you every step of the way and will be with you to your very, very, very end? And then some. When you get to the other side and that veil drops and there is absolutely no more amnesia, (laughs) trust me, you're going to be laughing with your guides and you'll look back and go, oh my word, what was I hanging on for? Boy, why did I hold on to this, that, or the other? But wow, what a ride. (laughs) But until then, You are made for more, my friend. Breathe it in. Anchor in. Lean in. Tune in. And you've got this. I believe in you. Uh Uh-huh. Duksha, okay. Until we talk again. (laughs) Hey, Chatu. And so it is. (laughs) 